Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love. Love at first listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people... It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. KFI AM640. You're listening to the John Cobell podcast on the iHeartRadio app. We're on from 1 until 4, then after 4 o'clock, John Cobell show on demand. That's the podcast version on the iHeart app. Uh, let's get right into this. God, we got so much, so much going on today. Uh, Corbin Carson is covering the Rebecca Grossman trial. Uh, Rebecca Grossman, as you might know, uh, she's she killed uh, an 11 year old and an eight year old a pair of brothers, Mark and Jacob Iskander, September 2020 at a crosswalk in Westlake. Uh, she had come out of a bar with uh, a guy she was dating during her marriage. Rebecca Grossman's husband is Dr. Peter Grossman, who is the founder. They are both the founders of the Grossman Burn Center, very famous in the Valley. And uh, apparently they were separated uh, within the marriage. And she was out with Scott Erickson, the uh, former L.A. Dodger, and uh, had some drinks. She had some Valium in her. The prosecution said she was going 81 miles an hour when she flattened these two kids and killed them. And now the defense is uh, trying to defend her. And uh, Corbin Carson from KFI News was at, uh, at the court today, at the court trial. 
Hey, Corbin, yeah, how are you? Yeah, uh, John, we, and we've been waiting for this. We've been waiting to hear how the defense is going to present this case for the last couple of weeks. The prosecution has been saying or presenting evidence that you mentioned of all the different things, such as uh, Grossman's car was the only car that showed pieces of uh, that were found at the at the scene. The speed that you mentioned that was taken from the crash data from her Mercedes, at least that's what an investigator uh, testified to. So a lot of that evidence is now getting poked apart. And, and listen, the defense's whole goal here is to cast reasonable doubt on everything the prosecution has claimed. So they've attacked the speed, the crosswalk, whether or not the boys were in the crosswalk, which car hit the boys, was Grossman intoxicated, and, ex and specifically the intent or implied malices that will be needed for the two counts of second-degree murder. So basically, John, what we've been hearing all morning is, is, is a bunch of claims uh, what's interesting is followed by the event, the, the, the prosecutors saying objection after objection. Then you have a, a speculation and then we'll let him rephrase and then objection. It's back and forth, witness and witness. The, the judge allows some of these claims to go through with well, these I guess the different defense experts. Is asking loaded questions to get the idea out there in the juror's mind, even if the judge uh, disallows the question. So generally speaking, because I'm trying to put all the witnesses together, but generally speaking, a lot of the objections would be that the particular witness that a person has, that the defense has on the stand, is not an expert to talk about, you know, was she, should she be, should she have been arrested for DUI when she wasn't charged for DUI? Just different things like that. Uh, do, could they possibly know that another car hit the, uh, the hit the boys first? Because remember, the defense claims that ex-Dodger player Scott Erickson's car his black SUV, also a Mercedes, hit the boys first and that the police never looked at that car. So let's talk about these uh, w these different witnesses. One today uh, was the de a defense speed expert. This was an audio and video expert named David Notowitz. He told jurors that he examined three security videos from a home and a boathouse that's just past the crosswalk where the boys were killed. He says the data shows that he, the, the analysis that he came up with shows that Grossman's Mercedes was traveling at a significantly slower speed. He said an examination of that video shows, uh, and he was looking at the trees, and he kind of broke it down in this analysis that showed eventually that she was going 51.9 miles per hour, while that black car in front of her that was driven by Erickson was going 72 miles per hour. Now remember, her SUV data, according to the investigator that went through the, the data, said that she was going 81 just seconds before she hit these boys. So That's that is the, the data recorder in her car is saying she went 81. Correct. And then and this guy is looking at video, video footage uh, leading up to the uh, up to the accident. Right, and he's he's looking at that footage frame by frame, which they're breaking down in court, and he's judging the cars that are moving based on the cars that are not moving and the trees, and then figuring out the speed using all types of math. And the you know the defense went through the math, and the prosecutors picked apart the math, and right. after the end, you're kind of left wondering what what did I just hear? Yeah, <laughs> you well, know, it, it's a lot, and I and I and that's the intent. And you know, the kids the are still dead, though. I, I mean, doubt. I'm this is fascinating math. Uh, exercise, but she hit the kids and the kids are dead. I, I, exactly what speed doesn't really matter.
the allegedly she hit the kids because we're you know that is still right. uh, for right. a, ju- a jury to decide. And, and keep in mind another pri- another uh, expert that they brought up with the, was this private investigator for the defense. Uh, who told the jury that five pieces of vehicle debris from the crash scene, including two Mercedes-Benz emblems, weren't went missing. And that's part of their defense that, you know, this black SUV that was driven by Erickson was never examined. And that they're saying that, you know, no one looked at Erickson that his car could have been the one that hit him mm-hmm. first because he was going through the intersection but two, they, two and a half seconds before her car. They didn't find any debris from Erickson's car. Now, if five pieces are missing, what they're trying to say is maybe that was some of the debris that was, quote, unquote, not found, according to the defense. The, again, reasonable doubt. That's the idea here. <laughs> but is, is, was there any damage on Erickson's car? Well, that has been we're still waiting to learn exactly what's going on with Erickson's car and and why he hasn't been brought up in, you know, either by called by the prosecution or so far by the defense. Um, But what we another guy that we heard from today was this former Houston PD uh, detective. He talked about the gambit. I mean, he talked about how he wouldn't have had uh, arrested her. Be, uh, for because she didn't appear intoxicated, she went. He went through this whole litany of, you know, she, the the arresting officer didn't say that she smelled like alcohol, that her eyes weren't, uh, you know, shifting this way or that way. He also talked about the speed doesn't mean you would necessarily kill someone. He brought up the that there is no speed limit on the autobahn, and you know, claims that that shows that their, you know, their their lower crash rate shows That's that speed nuts. is not necessarily an indicator. Well, except That's the boy, what we're going through. Except here. the boys are dead. Of course you can speed and not kill right, people. But, it goes on all day long. But in this well, case... In fairness, no one's arguing that the Dales are dead. No, yeah. no one's arguing that the kids are dead. They're arguing who hit the kids first. That's that's the discrepancy here. Is they're, at, they're arguing that the investigation wasn't run properly, that the sobriety check, uh, the sobriety field test given to Mrs. Grossman was not run properly. Yeah. I mean, you got a traffic engineer that testified. I mean, some of these people are coming in for just a second or two. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I I understand you're just giving me what's going on in the courtroom. I just find this insane. Right. She's got all the damage on her car. Her airbags went off. Right. His didn't. Right. Right. And uh, <laughs> and also she didn't touch uh, she didn't touch the brakes. They had a human factors expert. This is a guy who uh, worked for NASA and said he he determines how safe people really are. He wrote a book about it. Uh-huh. And then he attacked first the prosecutor's crash investigator testimony uh, showing that she barely touched the brakes. I don't remember. You, you might remember we talked about this last week yeah. that the SUV black box data showed she touched it like barely 1.5 seconds in. And that and then the prosecution said that 85 percent of normal drivers would have seen something and reacted and hit the, the brakes further and his whole point of his testimony was saying well hey they're using a study where a bunch of college kids were sitting in a you know in a, in a simulated course they felt safe and they weren't in shock and of course you know after you've been doing that a hundred times you're gonna react in 1.5 seconds he was saying that people under stress people under shock under a situation like similar to what was going on at the crash they might not react until three or four seconds later again the idea being here is to muddy the water with reasonable doubt you know, I got to get to the expert witness racket. That is the way to go. I mean, that is just—it's just funny. It's—it's it's just all this this dust that they're kicking up in the air. But it—it it all gets away from yeah. the damage on her car, and the boys are dead in the dead on the road.
and and they're talking about everything right. else and, but and, that. Right. And and listen, you know, she has a right to have a defense, and this is all mm. part of the defense. That's what I'm going to change. She's allowed to bring up witnesses that dispute what right that, that dispute what the state is saying. And that's where we're at. We've we've had several witnesses and we'll continue having witnesses after witness calling up and and disputing what it is that prosecutors are saying. All right, Corbin. Very good. Thank you for coming on. Much appreciated. And for having the Thank patience you, to uh, go through all that in court cuz <laughs> I would get up and start Well, it is compelling stuff. I will I, I will say that it is compelling stuff because you have to sit there and really pay attention. And, and I feel for the jurors who have to take all this information in both sides and then make a fair determination on whether or not she's guilty of all these charges. Remember, the, each one of these charges, uh, again, it could go from not guilty all the way to 34th to life. If they can't do if they can't prove the murder and she only gets vehicular homicide, maybe that's a, a much drastically reduced sentence so that's why they're going through each piece to figure out the proper guilt and sentence if possible or not guilty sentence for rebecca grossman all right corbin carson kfi news thank you the uh, rebecca grossman trial uh we've got a thousand dollars to give away coming up uh at uh, 2 30 oh my god we we're going to talk again with chris legras He's an activist. You really, really uh, have got to pay attention on the ballot. There is one citywide referendum in Los Angeles on the ballot. And if you don't vote it down, you are going to end up with road diets and bike lanes and uh, constricted traffic all over the city eventually. It's one of the most important things to vote against, along with uh, George Gascon. Uh, that's coming up after 2.30. And uh, right after the contest... I'm going to tell you about a private school in L.A. that had to close because of the vagrants, the drug users, and people exposing themselves. And now the kids can't go to school. Another day in Karen Bass's Los Angeles. You're listening to John Kobelt on demand from KFI AM 640. We are going to uh, talk to Chris LeGras on after uh, 2.30 because he's an advocate his organization is trying to stop this this measure that's going to be on the ballot that's going to force road diets all over the city, bike lanes all over the city where they're not needed or wanted. It's going to mandate it, and it's got one of those happy talk names that's going to lull people who don't pay attention into voting for it. So we will get on that case, but uh, details to come. Uh, the um, It's a terrible story here. There's, there's a school called the Academy of Media Arts. It's a private school. And it, it is forced to close because of all the homeless people, all, all the vagrants. It's a private school that serves black and Latino youth. But the neighborhood is in such chaos because of all the mental patients and the drug addicts that... Uh, we're going to Dana Hammond is the founder. We're going to have him on the show with us tomorrow. He's got to close it. Um, he filed a lawsuit over it, claiming there was a breach of contract with the building where the school was located. Uh, there's a breach of contract. The city continues to house over 400. Some of the highest need individuals, homeless individuals that are suffering from drug illness and drug addiction. There were intruders on the campus. And he's got to shut down. 
he says our students have to deal with individuals who are nude, doing drugs, smoking marijuana in front of the school, in back of the school. It was located in the L.A. Grand Hotel, but they, the hotel has now been used as temporary housing for the homeless. The thing is, the homeless are allowed to do whatever they want inside these city shelters. Karen Bass has not created a system where the homeless have to clean up their act. Karen Bass allows them to use their crack pipes and their meth and their fentanyl. There's human feces all over the place. And that's what led him to shut down the school. So imagine this, the school is inside the old hotel. And then also in the hotel is every kind of crazy person and drug addict. And they're smoking crack and meth and doing heroin and doing fentanyl and leaving their feces and urine all over the place. And, they, and so now the kids lose. And who loses here? Black and Latino kids. How crazy is that? She's been trying to take applause for moving 21,000 people into temporary housing, which I think is probably a wildly fake number. But put that aside. So they go into place. They, they put them in a building where there's a school? Where there's a school, a private school, no less. Bass Spokeshole, something called Clara Carger, said that Bass's team has been cooperating with Hammond regarding his concerns. Oh, they're concerned. They're, I see you have concerns. Yeah, I have concerns. You got crazy people smoking crack and throwing feces around. Concerns. They've put up additional fencing and more security personnel. Hammond said he had no choice to close because somebody was going to die. If we ask him to move, it escalates into a fight. It's just been a disaster. We've lost enrollment. We had an intruder high on LSD enter our classrooms, enter our campus. Someone's going to die, and I have to get our students out of there. Good Lord. What? What a disgusting, decrepit city Bass has, has uh, created here, huh? I thought she was fixing things. I, I, I thought things uh, were supposed to get better. Now you got uh, this huge office building that people are jumping off and paragliding. You got 30 stories of graffiti. And now you have a private school on the, trying to teach black and Hispanic kids arts and media. Uh, and, and they have to leave, right? The crack, notice this. The kids have to leave. Not the crack addicts, not the meth addicts, not the fentanyl addicts, not the mental patients, not the criminals. Not the vagrants, the students. They're kicked out of Karen Bass's Los Angeles. Yikes. Well, we're going to have uh, Dana Hammond on tomorrow to talk about it. I Boy, is, she, is, is Bass a failure or what? Can she be a bigger failure? Can she? If you get a call from a guy who runs a school and he tells that story, don't you send the police over and clear out that hotel immediately of all the crazy people? Don't you do that immediately? It's a guy who runs a school calling you. Well, he's trying to address his concerns. Boy, I tell you, they're not only corrupt at City Hall, they're insane. 
But, you know, everybody votes for insane politicians. Everybody votes for people who are good at lying. As long as you have a happy, smiley face. Just have a happy, smiley face. If you could fake that, we come back. Here's another one. You must vote against Measure HLA if you're in Los Angeles. We're going to talk to Chris LeGras. He's with Keep LA Moving. It's an activist group. This is about a measure that is going to shrink your roads. Uh, It's a road diet mandate. It's to install more bike lanes. The L.A. Fire Department is really angry with this because the fire trucks won't be able to get through. So we're about to pass a referendum that will cause the fire trucks and the ambulances to get stuck in traffic. So we can have more bike lanes in places that don't need bike lanes. Uh, Deborah Mark is live in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality TV. 
podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to John Cobalt on demand from KFI AM640. One of the most aggravating things is uh, the return of road diets, which we successfully fought off here on the show back in 2017 when Mike Bonin and Eric Garcetti tried to get road diets installed on the west side, and we were able to roll those back. Now there's something really dangerous and insidious. It's going on the ballots. Measure HLA. It's just in the city of L.A., is that correct, right? Yeah. We've got Chris LeGras sitting here. He's been with us uh, quite a few times. He's with a group called Keep L.A. Moving. Really important you listen to this because this measure is going to install road diets. Lots of lanes will disappear, be replaced with bike lanes, concrete curbing in the middle of the street. I mean, this, it, and it's going to happen fast because of a new machine they have, which Chris is going to explain. So please, please, you want to vote against this thing. Uh, Chris, welcome again Thanks. to the show. Uh, put turn his mic on, if you would. Is that Thanks there? for having me. Ah, there we go. Okay. You? Uh, for uh, most people don't know what's going on. And I know you've come on the show a couple of times already explaining it, but we got to keep hitting the basics first. So what is Measure HLA? What is it is it going to do in its simplest form? Well, you, you summed it up perfectly. I mean, it would, every time street services repaves or rehabilitates more than a 660-foot stretch, I mean, that's a block. Mm. They would be mandated under the city municipal code. They would be mandated to install all of this stuff. It could be a bike lane. It could be a bus lane. It could be traffic calming. That's part of the problem is they even the advocates, even the people who put this together cannot tell you with any certainty what the results would be. Because if you look at street services, they have a really interesting map. You can look four years into the future for every street project that they have planned. Let's take a hypothetical here. Wilshire Boulevard. I think everybody listening is familiar with Wilshire Boulevard. And that's probably well over 20 miles, right, from beginning to end. Are you saying as they repave Wilshire Boulevard over time, the entire stretch is going to have a lane of traffic stripped out of it and replaced with a bike lane and curbing and other obstacles to traffic? Yes, but it's even worse than that. Because to get there, they're going to be going one block at a time. So, again, let's take Wilshire Boulevard. You could be driving down the street, bike lane, no bike lane. Bollards, no ball. Every block will look different. Imagine the confusion. Imagine the accidents that's going to cause. And we already know, and people can find the data at keeplamoving.com. Every time they've done this, the advocates say that we need this because the city isn't fulfilling its own mobility plan, blah, blah, blah. That's so, nonsense. We've been doing this for 10 years. We've been doing this for 10 years. It's an absolute disaster. More people are dying. More people are getting in accidents. And this measure HLA would pour kerosene onto that fire. It would be absolute chaos. This morning, as you guys covered, we were downtown at Station 9. That is the busiest fire station in the country. And Metro has road dieted the street directly in front of the busiest fire station in the country. They've put down permanent concrete barriers to, quote unquote, protect the bike lanes in front of the busiest fire station in the country. Yet the LA Fire Department has come out very loudly against this. Yes, yes, they have. We were down there with them this morning. We had the, the heads of the three major firefighters unions 
Uh, everybody spoke forcefully. Tracy Park was there. Uh, I was kind of batting cleanup to provide data and that kind of thing uh, from Keep LA Moving. But they came out in force. The advocates had the audacity to show up and protest a firefighter press conference. Now, imagine the conceit in that. When you say, I know more about public safety than the LAFD. Are they really concerned with public safety? I, I mean, what, what, is their, what is their act here? Is this part of the whole climate movement to force cars off the road to yeah. make driving so difficult that we all take bikes? Is yes. this part of the extremism? That, this is part of the extremism. This is the push to get us all out of our cars once and for all. And we know that at the state level, we talk about the 15-minute city. That's where this is all heading. The goal of these extremist lunatics who are running our cities right now in our state is that we will all live in these little shoebox apartments we will get rid of our cars and we will live. Everything we need will be a 15-minute walk, bike ride, or bus ride and, away. And, and what motivates them is just power, is the control over our lives. I, I describe it as a religion. These are these are religious fundamentalists. If you can stand out in front of a fire station telling firefighters, and I said this during the, the event this morning, I said, imagine behind me, just these guys, imagine how many thousands of Angelinos are alive because of the people standing behind me. And these activists have the gall to say, yeah, we know better. You guys are actually the ones who are the problem. Why would you slow down rescue workers? Why they, would you slow down fire trucks and ambulances? I guess it's collateral damage. We know that since we started this nonsense, HLA, which everybody needs to vote no against, vote early, vote often, as LBJ used to say, <laughs> yeah. vote no on HLA. But we've already been doing this, as I said, for 15 years. Eric Garcetti started this Vision Zero nonsense in 2015. He promised us, he stood out there on Venice Boulevard, and he promised us in August of 2015 that by next year, 2025, we would have zero traffic fatalities in the city of Los Angeles if we accepted this way of doing things. Instead, we're hitting record highs every single year. Yeah, well, yes, because when, when the obstacles they put in the way, and I we've talked about this before, it's all on display in Santa Monica. Santa Monica is very difficult, very distracting to get through, especially at night. Yes. And I could believe it's causing more accidents and more pedestrian deaths because you don't know what's going on. And here's the killer is that, no pun intended, is that the United States in Los Angeles and California, between 1980 and 2010, we had a 30-year decrease almost every single year. We hit record low pedestrian fatalities in the United States and in Los Angeles in 2008 and 2009. In the years since, starting in 2015, no coincidence that it starts with Vision Zero and Complete Streets ten year, nine years ago, we have actually lost all of that gain. We are actually right. back. We have now set records. We've erased 30 to 40 years worth of progress well, be, in be, eight years, yeah, nine because, years. Because I always take issue with the premise with some of these organizations. They have a cover story. They have a front. Oh, we're going to save lives. And I'm thinking... Why do you want to save my life so much if I cross the street? Really? You're devoting your whole existence? First of all, I assume they're getting paid well. Secondly, there's something larger here. There's a larger yeah. political issue that is that they've embraced and that's where they get their fanaticism from and one of it is you know getting automobiles off the road and creating these 15 minute cities where yeah. we're going to live and downstairs there's going to be a whole foods and then we're going to bike to our office right. two blocks away right. and that's that and, and there they get really jazzed by the idea of creating this imaginary city that we're all and we're all going to obey their rules yeah yeah and they're very very well funded we are the grassroots we, we we're, we're volunteers these right. firefighters are doing it on their own time I will tell you that they have at least $2 million. They're getting funded from a New York-based hedge fund manager. His name is Aaron Sosnick. We've talked about him in the oh, past. Oh, yes. I've looked him up. Why is a New York-based hedge fund manager spending $2 million to mess with the streets in Los Angeles? What, out of the goodness of his heart? 
No. No. <laughs> now, maybe he's one of these Kool-Aid drinkers. Maybe he's a true believer, one of these fundamentalists. Or maybe he sees insane amounts of money to be made investing in large real estate companies and contractors and consultants and architects and everybody who's going to make bank should this ever come to pass. So I think you see people, billionaires are not noted for their altruism. I think this guy sees a market no, opportunity I, and $2 million is a small price to pay. No, the real estate developers are behind uh, forcing uh, apartment buildings into single-family home neighborhoods. They love it. Sure. It's the same thing. They're the ones financing this. It's not a bunch of environmentalists. Right. Right. It's it's the it's the real estate investment crowd. Yeah, and they have their useful idiots and, and healthy streets LA and streets for all and streets blog. They have this whole ecosystem that people like Sosnick fund. I guarantee you, many if not most of the protesters who showed up today were being paid. Well, of course. Yeah. Who's got what, what time was this? It was nine a.m. Yeah. Who's got time at nine in the morning? Right to go to, protest to go protest firemen. Who want to get out of their fire station as quickly and, as possible. Can you imagine that? And I'll tell you, John, a couple of those speakers got emotional talking about some of the scenes they've experienced over the course of their careers. I was driving home, driving back from the event this morning, and two LAPD cars came risen by me, 70 miles an hour, lights and sirens. I got the hell out of the way. And a few minutes later, I passed a school, I'm not going to say where, where they were arresting a guy across the street from the school. Yeah. Right across the street from the entrance of the school. What happens if there was a road diet on that street and we had five more minutes? Chris, thank you for coming on. And we'll talk again soon, okay? Because we've got three weeks and it's you have to vote no on HLA, all right? HLA, that's the name of the proposition. You vote no on it if they want to strangle the traffic system here in Los Angeles. And this is a city thing. This is a city it's thing, a city but it's happening everywhere. So if you're voting, and, and the L.A. City firefighters have come out very loudly against it today with for, for obvious reasons. Ay, ay, ay. There's so many things to fight. I know. I know. It's, it's exhausting. Battles everywhere. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. When we come back, another thing we got to fight, uh, Gascon, uh, CBS News did a long report on Gascon. We're going to play the whole thing. And then after we play it, we're going to have John Lewin on, one of the deputy DAs, because he's going to rebut this story. You got to listen to it first. You're listening to John Kobelt on demand from KFI AM 640. All right. Two parts to this one. Uh, CBS News did a, a story on George Gascon. And uh, John Lewin was uh, so incensed by it that he wants to come on after the story, after we play it, and rebut the thing. Uh, so first, we're going to play you. This is this is long, seven minutes. We don't do this very often, but this this is this is a big deal here. Uh, the, uh, let's see how how CBS News played Gascon and see what it is that uh, John Lewin wants to say uh, about it, uh, John will come on after Deborah's news. And uh, we'll play this before her news. In fact, it'll start right now. Two officers killed. They were murdered by a coward. By a suspect out on probation. He has these officers' blood on their hands. The family's hands quickly finger the district attorney. He's responsible for my son's death and, and Michael's death. Does that case still haunt you? Listen... Any time that somebody dies is very emotional. It is the single emotional moment in George Gascon's tenure that touches every issue of his first term and clearly still touches him. The mother of one of the officers said that you personally are responsible for those murders. I understand that. It breaks my heart. I think it's an assault on civilization. Right. There's nothing that I can say that will 
bring him back. And I feel very, very sorry for the family. The family filed suit, alleging suspect Justin Flores, a felon who was once found with a gun, wouldn't have been out of jail, but for Gascon's broad sentencing reforms. Gascon disagreed. I believe that I was an appropriate drug because there was no evidence that he was dangerous. Would you make that same decision again? I can tell you that that decision not only would be made the same in this office, it would be made like that in many other places. But in this place, on these streets, it made for many protests. They say you're soft on crime. Right. Are you soft on crime? People say, well, you are soft because you're not seeking 100 years, you're seeking 20 years. And you're not seeking the death penalty. And I'm not seeking the death penalty, right. So you have the numbers to prove that you're not soft on crime? Absolutely that we do. Can you, just you share got, those with us? Uh, we can share you. We can share with you the number of prosecutions. We'll give you 10 years of okay. rates of uh, filing cases. 10 years of the way that we've uh, prosecuted cases. His office provided this graph showing actual filings have dropped by more than 5,000 cases in those 10 years. They believe the downward trend, though, started before Gascon took office and is statistically insignificant. And even before his office prosecutes, there's the issue of bail or no bail that puts nonviolent offenders back on the streets. Is that my no bail policy as the courts no bail policy. That is true, but for people that don't know, it's your prosecutors that also recommend to the court and then the court decides. And we, and we, we look at the cases very carefully. I am absolutely against cash bail. And I'm against cash bail because I don't think how much money you have in your bank account makes you safer. Do you believe in no bail? I believe that people that are dangerous should be held without any bail. His policies, practices, even promotions have led to 21 lawsuits from his own prosecutors. Our district attorney. And with a campaign website still loaded with these images of police brutality, there are those who say he's anti-police. His recently promoted chief of staff was once photographed wearing this message. Do you think the police are trained to kill us? Look, I understand where you're coming from. You know, I know that they had been a lot of criticism about my chief of staff. It's an ugly moment in policing. And she spoke out of emotional anger. My judgment is that I want to have a variety of opinions around it. Look at the people that I surround myself with, the former chief of police of Pasadena, former chief of police of Irwindale, the former assistant chief of LAPD, former deputy chief from LAPD used to run the Valley Bureau. Those are all people also that are in my office. Chief Gaston. He himself is the former chief of three agencies and a former assistant chief at LAPD. But none of it has stopped two recall attempts. Were you surprised by the two recall attempts? The first one happening just days after you were in office? I was for the second one. I was surprised when they failed so miserably on the first time and they went at it again. Do you think it just the idea of two recalls was damaging? is damaging well look i mean when you put 10 million dollars to to try to defame somebody uh that's going to have an impact those failed recalls still he believes impacting his re-election we are showing that we can hold people accountable in a historic field of 11 challengers the first major poll showing gascon leading with only 15 percent of likely voters followed closely by jonathan hatami at eight percent and nathan hockman with four percent those are low poll numbers for an incumbent. They are, but you're in a, we're in a, a 11 people, I think 12 people race now. And he's 
far behind in the fundraising for that race, having almost four times less than the $1.5 million Hockman has raised and is spending now on attack ads. Sparking rampant smash-and-grab robberies, an explosion of overdose deaths. What do you think looking at that? Well, look, I mean, first of all, this is an old playbook. Are you responsible for the rise in smash-and-grabs? Well, if that were the case, then I would be responsible for the smash-and-grab race all over the nation, right? I, I mean, it would be pretty powerful. During the powerful rise we documented just weeks ago. They were going to look at the Nike on PCH and Crenshaw. Gascon dedicated prosecutors to a multi-agency task force. Good afternoon, everyone. And, and has now announced more than 200 prosecutions uh, since August. Is the tide turning? You know, I think if you listen to the LAPD, I've, I've heard him say that they have seen a reduction. We're definitely pushing really hard to turn the tide. How important are moments like this for you to communicate directly with the public? It's, it's terribly important, but not only for me, but for every one of those people that are here. For everyone across LA County, major crime is down. We actually have had the, the, the largest reduction of one year homicides in just this recent year. Bottom line, are Angelinos safer now under you than they were four years ago? Well, they're definitely safer than they were in 2020. So much has happened since 2020. Did that change you as a DA? Look, every time that we lose a police officer, it's painful. They're saying I'm on a reflection. There is no question about it. And now, I, George Gascon, he says reflection is helping him. How are you different now than you were when you took the oath? Well, I'm three years older. <laughs> uh, I think I learned a tremendous amount of, uh, certainly a lot of growth. Growing and learning from his own history. Congratulations, Mr. District Attorney. And now seeing this Honor. moment as Thank only you. the beginning. Four more years? Well, hopefully four more years. If the, you know, if the public, if the public gives me that honor, absolutely. Gascon is currently the front runner in this historic race. By the way, the lawsuit from the families of the El Mane officers lost a motion to proceed because Gascon was acting in his official capacity, but they are planning to appeal. He's growing and learning. By the way, the statistic that came out uh, earlier this week after that story ran is that Shoplifting is up 81% in L.A. County, 81%, 81%. Josh, I'm sorry, John Lewin is coming up next. He's going to respond to this CBS story on Gascon and specifically what Gascon was saying. He's a deputy DA. He's been very outspoken against Gascon, and he'll be with us right after Deborah's News, John Cobelt Show. Deborah has the news live in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. Hey, you've been listening to the John Cobalt Show podcast. You can always hear the show live on KFI AM 640 from 1 to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday. And, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people 
It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.